I want to be a, a wonderful caregiver to my husband. I want to be a wonderful daughter to my father. And I want to be a, a servant of Jesus that lives with no regrets. I want to live my life for Him so that when I see Him, I'm not ashamed. Welcome to this week's edition of First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and the voice you heard a moment ago is the voice of Anne Graham Lotz, our guest today. Anne will talk about her life, caring for both her husband as well as her father, Dr. Billy Graham, and the conversation will start in just a minute. First Person has a website where you can learn more about the guests you hear on this program. Each week, we post additional information and links you can follow. This week, you'll find a link to Anne's ministry and her recently revised book, Heaven, My Father's House. Go to firstpersoninterview.com. You'll also find an audio archive of past programs, plus a schedule of upcoming first-person guests at firstpersoninterview.com. And then we're also found on Facebook at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Anne Graham Lotz is a gifted speaker and writer who loves and serves God with all her heart and seeks to tell everybody about God's love and salvation through Christ. She's known the world over for her powerful, uncompromising message. We spoke on the phone recently and began by talking about how difficult some seasons of life can be and the seasons she and her family are experiencing right now. You know, Wayne, you're, you're just so right. There are seasons of life, and sometimes life throws you a curve, doesn't it? Yes. You know, when, when we're younger, we have a picture that we paint of what our life is uh, going to be like when we're older, and then sometimes it's not like that at all. And right now, um, my life is not what I thought it would be at all. And, and yet I have to tell you, even as I tell you what's going on, that I know I'm where God wants me to be. I have peace in my heart, a joy, um, a confidence, a sense of purpose, but, but it's different, I can tell you. And um, my father, as you know, is 95, so, um, uh, and he lives about four hours west. It's hard to get up there and back in one day, but I can't spend overnight with him anymore because my husband is in serious health. He um, has adult one diabetes he's had for 25 years, and it's just that the complications have just erupted so that he's on kidney dialysis three days a week. He's um, blind in one eye. He, I, I won't go through all of his things, but, but I'm his caregiver, so yeah. I can't leave him at night. You know, I leave him for some times during the day, but um, so I'm at home, and I, I'm called very much to, to be here. I know God has spoken to me and told me this is where he wants me right now, so I'm focusing on um, radio and writing and social media and things like that, and so I still have ministry, but no longer doing Just Give Me Jesus arena revivals or big events or breakaways, um, and I know that this is where God would have me, but but uh, you're right. You know, sometimes um, what we experience is not what we thought it was going to be, mm-hmm. but when Jesus is in your life, and I want to say this very sincerely, that um, the sense of satisfaction and fulfillment and joy is as great as if I was on a platform traveling the world, you know, that's not what fulfills. What fulfills is knowing that you're in God's will Mm -hmm. and that He's using you for His glory. Yeah, I heard your father preach one time, no regrets, and uh, that's that's what's guiding your life right. right now, isn't it? Yes, that's right. That's right. No, five minutes before I see Jesus, I don't want to have any regrets. <laughs> well, of course, I'm curious about your dad, but your husband, too. How, how is his spirit, uh, given the battle that he's going through? Um, well, uh, what he's going through, if, 
and I'm speaking of my husband now, he just, uh, we take one day at a time. And so he, he's a very, very faithful, committed person. So as bad as his health is, he still leads his Bible studies, still is involved in our church. And, and I have a whole team of guys of his friends. Uh, they call themselves the team. <laughs> and, and they help me with driving him. They help me get him in and out of church, you know, because he's unsteady on his feet. Um, they, they help him. He, he's very deaf and even with a hearing aid. Um, and so they sit beside him at the Bible studies. They help him understand what people have said. So, and he just keeps on going. He's still bearing fruit and changing lives. Yeah. It, he's the most incredible testimony of faithfulness and perseverance. Um, and I believe God has a purpose for him or, or he wouldn't still be here. And my father's attitude, you know, my father is very patient. I've, I've seen him so patient, so... Um, uh, sort of accepting of where God has him right now. It's remarkable. He's got wonderful caregivers, and uh, and so he's not struggling. He's not hoping to go to heaven. He's not, um, you know, struggling with where he is right now. He he's just um, there's there's a peace about my father and uh, just a contentment, a settledness that is very dear to see. So. You know, it's not easy for either one of them, yeah. but they're they're both um, able to handle it because God's grace is sufficient. Well, uh, given what you are going through and what you're witnessing uh, as these family members decline, I mean, you write so tenderly in the rewrite of your book about heaven, and I, I noticed that um, you, you use the term my father's house so tenderly. Yes. We always think of heaven, yeah. heaven, heaven, heaven. You, you call it my father's house. What's going through yeah. your mind when? What's going through your mind, Anne, when you when you talk in that way? Well, uh, because Jesus, that that was what he described it. You know, don't you love it? When in John fourteen, he said, "In my Father's house are many rooms." So he was talking about heaven as his Father's home. You know, and so I just took the title from his words in John chapter fourteen, but then I I compare it. Uh, not that I compare heaven to my my daddy's home, mm-hmm. but I I use illustrations from my daddy's home in Western North Carolina to just sort of flesh out some of the things about heaven, and it's very personal, and I think that's what Jesus was conveying. It, heaven is not a museum, it's not a show place, it's not uh, a fantasy or a whim or a child's imagination. Heaven is where God lives, and it's a home that's being prepared where God's going to live with with His Son Jesus, His Holy Spirit, and with all of His children forever and ever. So it's it's a place to look forward to going. It's it's we're being prepared for heaven, and heaven is being prepared for us. Yeah. When, I, when we walk through those doors, we're going to feel at home. I, I've come home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love the stories you tell in the book about uh, going home, and you, you talk about the yeah. time, uh, the first time walking in the house when your mother had mm-hmm. preceded you to heaven, yeah. and she wasn't there any yeah. longer. Talk about that moment. Mm-hmm. Well, um, it's hard because my mother, more than anybody, she designed the house. She built it when Daddy was gone. It was, uh, you know, he told her, like, one thing, she couldn't have any fireplaces, and when he came back, there were seven of them. (laughs) (laughs) And so she just, she built this log cabin, you know, to suit herself, and every part of it speaks of my mother. She furnished it. She loves old log cabins and uh, collected them, and so it's several old log cabins built together. You know, it's, um, anyway, and then, and so every part of that house, uh, has her in it. You know, you, you see her when you see the house. You feel her when you go in the house. And so the first time I went there, after uh, she had moved to heaven, 
And it just seemed empty, and um, I was dreading it. And then I walked in the kitchen, and on the counter was um, her the mug that she drank. I have a little china mug, a uh, coffee mug, and it was set for, for me with the, my favorite coffee. And in the refrigerator was a yogurt that I like to eat for breakfast. And upstairs in my room where there were fresh flowers beside my bed with a note beside it that said, um, you know, Anne, welcome home. I love you, Daddy. Mm-hmm. And and all these little personal touches that let me know that my daddy had um, expected me. He had looked forward to having me. I was welcomed because I'd come home, and and home was where he was, you know. And so I thought about heaven where Jesus said, I'm preparing a place for you, and then Revelation 21, he says, it's prepared as a bride for her bridegroom. And I've got two daughters, and they're married, and I, I can tell you brides are prepared in detail, you know, just <laughs> from the dress to the groom to the place to the flowers to the reception. Oh, you know, let me tell you, right. Detail. <laughs> um, um, yeah. And so when he says, I've prepared heaven like a bride for a bridegroom, it's prepared in detail with a heart of love, but just for me. So I know he knows the colors I enjoy and the scenery I want to see and the music I want to listen to and the people I want to be with. And, and I believe he's preparing it in an individual, personal way. So when I walk through the gates of heaven, I'll know I've been expected, I've been prepared for, I'm welcomed, I've come home, I'm the Father's child. So heaven is a place that's prepared just for you, just for me, um, and and we're going to know we've come home when we walk through those gates. Yeah, mentioning those gates, you you, uh, draw the parallel, you know, the gate uh, around your father and mother's home there and how not everyone can just walk up and walk through that gate, but those... Uh, yeah. who know the family, who, in your case, uh, as you talk about to heaven, those who know the Lord are eligible to walk yeah. through that gate because of His righteousness. Yes. You know, that's right, because uh, if people today, you know, they go up to the gate that surrounds, there's a fence that surrounds my father's house um, in western North Carolina, you bang on the gate and say, Billy Graham, you know, I've been to your meetings, I've read your books, I've given your ministry, let me in, I want to come see you. And he would say, in essence, you know, depart from me, I don't know you, you haven't made the arrangements, I can't just let anybody into my house. And you can say, well, that's not fair, you know, but that's the way it is. It's It's his house, and he can decide who comes in and who stays out. But if I go up to that gate, and I knock on it and say, Daddy, this is Anne. I've come home. He flings open the gate and I go right in because I'm the father's child. And when and heaven is the same way. Heaven is God's home. And so he, it's the father's house. And so you can go up to heaven's gate and say, God, I want you to let me in. I've been a member of a church. I've done more good works than bad works. I've given to ministries. I've, you know, listened to Christian radio. And he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. You, you haven't made arrangements to come. But when you put your faith in Jesus, when you come to the cross, confess your sin, ask him to forgive you, to cleanse you, to come into your heart, you surrender the control of your life to him. He puts his spirit within you. You have a, uh, you're born again into his family, so you have a personal relationship with God now. And when the moment comes for you to knock on heaven's door and you step into eternity, the, the gate is flung wide open and you're welcome because you're the Father's child. And the only reason any of us is welcomed in heaven is because of our relationship with Jesus. It has nothing to do with whether we're good enough, what we've done, or what we haven't done. The, the burden of, of the entrance into heaven rests completely solidly on Jesus, and he has paid the price. He, he gave his life to open heaven for you and me. All we have to do is receive him and accept him as our Savior and Lord, and then heaven is our home. We'll continue to focus on heaven with Anne Graham Lotz coming up today here on First Person. 
Next time, Barry McGuire is crazy about cars, but even crazier about the Lord. I never offend anybody. I, I just let the Lord open the doors, and then they're so hungry. Every time I walk in a car show, I say, okay, I'm on my mission field, you know? And almost without exception, I'm praying with somebody seriously at every car show. So, there'll be somebody that's so desperate right then, they don't care. From TV's Car Crazy, you'll meet Barry McGuire next time on First Person. My guest on First Person today is Anne Graham Lotz. Her book, recently re-released, is called Heaven, My Father's House. And what a tender introduction to the book, written by your father, Anne. I was surprised when I picked up the book and read that. Oh, you know, it's so sweet. He heard me speaking on Heaven, and um, and afterwards, he, I can remember, we're sitting in the kitchen, he was looking at me, he said, Anne, you need to write this down. And... Um, <laughs> So I said, okay, so I wrote it down, and then uh, I asked him if he would do the foreword. At that point, I'd never had anybody do a foreword for one of my books, um, and he immediately said he would. And so he, he wrote the foreword, and um, then when he, I remember when he read the book for the first time, he was sitting in the same chair in the same kitchen, and he said, he held it in his hand, he said, Aunt, everybody needs this. Every chaplain, every minister needs this and, and have it to give out to others, because it just so clearly gives you the hope of heaven and how you can be sure heaven is your home, how you can know for sure that you're going. So it's a wonderful book, not only for, for my own encouragement, but to hand somebody else um, as a possible invitation to them to come to heaven, too. Yeah, he's still doing the work of an evangelist, isn't he? Now, you know, I'll, I'll tell you he is. He's got a heart for the gospel that burns very bright. <laughs> And the first time I can recall talking to you, it may have been before 9-11, but it certainly was during the whole crisis of 9-11, and our country was really on its knees at that point. Um, as we look around the world today, things aren't much better. There's just It just seems like things are getting worse and worse and worse. And I want you to talk about the world today, and you've recently called us to a time of earnest prayer. And uh, just talk to me about what you see going on. Well, you know, the, the sad thing, Wayne, was uh, 13 years ago, after 9-11, we did go to church, but it was like a flash in the pan, you know, and very quickly, because we wanted to be united, we don't want to be divided, we became very tolerant, even within the church, of other gods and religions, and and I don't mean that we're to be intolerant of other religions, but, but in the sense that we... If we deny the uniqueness of Jesus, that's where the danger is. And I saw that come into the church in a way that was appalling. So that in in our desire to be um, loving and inclusive, we deny the uniqueness of who Jesus is. He is God's Son. He's the sinner's Savior. He is God. He is man. He's the only way anyone will come into the Father's presence, the only one who can give you peace and comfort for the long term, uh, the only one who has the authority to give you eternal life, and the only one who could have sorted out the mess after 9-11. But instead, we just became, you know, so tolerant, and we just lost the the truth and the reality of, of the hope that Jesus gives us. If we had fallen on our face before Him and cried out to Him, and not the whole world, but just people within the church, and cried out for Him for to, to save us, to help us, but but we didn't. We became very politically correct at that point and looked to our government, you know, looked to politics. Um, and I think uh, you're right. I think we're in a worse shape today. Um, it's not as confrontive as that, although it may get that way. But Jesus uh, gives us great insight in Matthew 24 when he says, in the last days, that the generation right before his return, there will be wars and rumors of wars 
um, nation will rise against nation. That's a way of referring to world wars. There will be um, pestilence. There will be earthquakes and famines, natural disasters. Uh, there'll be persecution of Christians. That that is. Uh, radically shot up in the world today. Um, there will be false Christ, false messiahs, people that promise you, you know, prosperity and peace if you'll just vote for them or put in their form of government. There will, be, I mean, just so many signs he gives, and then um, then he gives two signs, and all of these are characteristics of the end of the age, the end of human history. He gives two that are very revealing to me. One, he says, when the fig tree puts forth leaves, and he goes on to explain that um, the generation that sees that will be the generation that's the last. And the fig tree represents Israel in the Old Testament, and a couple of days before he had been using that to describe Israel. And, and I believe the fig tree was dormant for almost 2,000 years, and in 1948, May 1948, she was declared a nation in the family of nations and, and was re born. I mean, who's ever heard? No no time in human history has a nation ever come back after 2,000 years of non-existence, go back to her ancient homeland with her ancient language, with descendants of her ancient people, and been reestablished in the family of nations. That's a phenomenon. That was a, that was a prophecy that was fulfilled, and Jesus said, the generation that sees that take place will be the last. And I was born in May 1948, so, you know, my daddy asked me, he said, Ian, what do you think a generation is? And I said, well, Daddy, I don't know, but it's mine. You know, <laughs> I believe if I live out my natural lifetime, I will live to see the return of Jesus to earth. And this other sign that he gave that's very revealing, he said in verse 14 of Matthew 24, he said that uh, when you see the gospel preached to the whole world, then the end will come. And right now, Wayne, the gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached in the whole world. If you can't get it in your first language, you can get it in your second or your third language. If you can't get it in a live presentation, you can get it on the Internet, TV, radio, um, you know, uh, webcam or or ham radio, it, it's, it's being preached for the first time in human history. The gospel right now, as we speak, is being preached to the entire world. And Jesus said, when that happens, then the end will come. So I think we're living in then. We're living in, on borrowed time, and I believe things are going to get uh, worse and worse. I think the world will unravel until Jesus comes back for his own, and then there's going to be ushered in a time of peace. It's going to be a counterfeit peace when the Antichrist rules, and they won't call him the Antichrist, but he's going to be a world ruler that will seem like he's bringing order out of confusion, um, but he's going to be the devil incarnate. And then um, there's a period of great tribulation on earth, and that climaxes with the physical return of Jesus to earth uh, to reign and rule on this earth. So I, I think we're I think we're living at that point, and and for me, Wayne, I I feel so privileged. You know, out of all the people in, think of all the people who have lived in human history, all the people that have lived since uh, Jesus died and rose and went back to heaven, who have longed to see Him come back, and I believe I'm living in that generation. So I feel a tremendous sense of privilege, but also huge responsibility. Yeah, let me ask you about the responsibility because we don't ju- we pray for His return, but we don't just sit yeah. and wait. What is our responsibility? That's right. Well, to do whatever he tells us to do, you know, so to be obedient, to serve him. He, he says in Matthew 24, blessed is the servant whom when the, the master comes finds him so doing. And I think we keep on with our life. We do what we uh, what we need to do, but we also are 
on high alert. And one of the things we need to do is pray. Um, Peter said that knowing that the end of all things is at hand, he says, be alert and pray. And so we need to pray. It's in prayer that I believe the Holy Spirit gives us the sensitivity as to what he would have us do. And then be, be alert to share the gospel and tell other people about the hope of heaven, that this life is not all there is. That if you blow up this entire planet, you don't blow up anything of God. You know, he's, he's separate from his creation, and, uh, and he has a place that's prepared for us that's not going to be touched by human bombs or guns or missiles. So, um, so it's a time to share the gospel, and it's a time to pray, and it's a time to, I believe, to ask, God, what would he have us do if, if we knew Jesus was coming tomorrow? What would I wish I had done today? And that's what I meant when I said I want to live my life five minutes before I see him with no regrets. If, if he comes five minutes from now, what will I wish I had done today? What will I wish I had done yesterday? That's the way I want to live my life. So I have no regrets. So I won't say, oh, I wish I had done such and such. I want to do it when, when I have the time so that when he comes, I won't be ashamed of his coming. Right. Of course, again, all of us look forward to that day. In the meantime, we seem to be satisfied or at least think that we will be satisfied with political solutions and man-made solutions. Uh, But what is our role in, in that arena to seek peace and to restore justice in some of those issues? Well, I believe that we're to do that for sure. You know, the Bible teaches us that, but that's not where our hope is. And in order to loosen our grip on some of that, he may allow us to get um, into a worse and worse place because Christians for so many years, in order to bring our nation back to our foundation of faith and to restore us in our relationship with God, we've gone through the political route, and, and it's gotten us nowhere. In fact, it's gotten us, I think, into a lot of trouble, because then if people don't agree with our politics, they won't listen to us when we tell them about our Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so we have lost our focus, I believe, and we've ceased to be the church God called us to be. So our hope is not in politics. Our hope is not in a government. Our hope is not in a person. Uh, It's in the the person of Jesus Christ, but not a, a human person. And, but at the same time, um, I know he calls people into politics, believers, like a Daniel. Right now, in my personal devotions, I'm studying Daniel, and he's such a great man of God and used in four different world empires in an incredible way, so wise, so that worldly, wicked leaders who had all the power you can name came to him for advice, you know, sought him out, recognized that his God is God, and and so we can be involved in government, we can be involved in politics, but not, but, but to serve and to make the world a better place, to, to do our best to bring peace on earth, knowing that the only way you're really going to have peace on earth is when you have peace in your heart, yeah. and that comes through a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Yeah. We have just a minute left, Anne, but how can we pray for you and your family, given the circumstances you're going through? You know, thank you, Wayne. That is so special. And if you would just pray that I would have what I just described, that sensitivity to the Spirit. I want to be faithful to what God has for me at this stage in my life. I want to be a a wonderful caregiver to my husband. I don't want to have any regrets there. I want to be a wonderful daughter to my father. I don't want to have regrets there. And I want to be a, a servant of Jesus that lives with no regrets because I buy up the time. I've redeemed the time. I, I want to live my life for him so that when I see him, I'm not ashamed. So, so just pray that I'll be sensitive to the spirit and obedient to what he puts before me. Given what Anne Graham Lotz is experiencing at this time, it makes her book, Heaven, My Father's House, even more poignant and compelling. To learn more about Anne and Angel Ministries, please visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. 
We'll provide a link to her book, which has been revised and updated in a new edition. Just remember the website, firstpersoninterview.com, is your starting point. And while you're there, be sure to check out the audio archive available for all the interviews we've done on First Person. Click on the Listen button at firstpersoninterview.com. Next week, you'll meet a man who had a powerful experience with God that changed the direction of his life. TV's car-crazy host, Barry McGuire, who's also the head of McGuire's Car Care Products, will tell us his amazing story. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. We'll see you next time on First Person. First Person.